New Life Church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. Good morning. How is everyone? Y'all doing well? Is everybody having a good summer so far? Who's just having an awful summer? Come on, we'll pray for you. Uh, our hope, I'm Bronson, by the way. I haven't had a chance to meet you. Uh, I'm one of the leaders, pastors here. We've been out as well. I guess it's vacation time for the staff of New Life Church downtown. Um, but my wife and I just had our 10-year anniversary. And so 10, seven amazing years. No, we've had 10 great years. Um, too much honesty, too much. No, but we're, uh, we just got some time away, and we're, we're thankful for this church. We're thankful that uh, y'all let us get the time away, and uh, we, we enjoyed it. And, you know, w- one of my things, one of my hearts for y'all in the summer is that the summer would be a time where you enjoy yourselves, you get outside, you get some vitamin D, get in the sun, kind of get a praise Jesus, somebody, barbecue, eat good food, and hey, grow as you're going through it. Uh, This is one of those seasons where like, hopefully you're not as much in the grind. Hopefully you get some good family time, some good friend time. And so what we're going to do this summer is we're going to do a bunch of messages, a lot of testimony this summer. As I was praying, uh, we were originally going to go through the gospel of John. We've done a ton of exegesis, a ton of theology uh, over the past nine months. And I just felt like, you know what, let's take some time. And I want y'all to hear stories. I want y'all to hear things that have gone on in our staff's lives, uh, hear testimony and have that build your faith. And then whenever I speak, I'm going to come in with a really practical, like applicable wisdom message, okay? And so I'm going to do a series of messages called uh, Wisdom Builds the House. Everybody say Wisdom Builds the House. And so it, it's out of Psalm 127, uh, verse 1, it says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And my thesis this morning is that wisdom builds the house, both for us as individuals, but also, y'all listen, for us as a collective And we want to build homes, and we want to build a home, the church, where God is pleased to dwell. Amen? And so this morning, we're we're going to go, we're going to exegete three different Proverbs, uh, a little bit on Proverbs. Proverbs is full of principles, not promises. Okay, what does that mean? Principles, everybody say principles. What that means is that there's Proverbs like, you know, if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they'll not what? Okay, how many of y'all have done your best with your children and then at some point they got a little wayward, right? Uh, It's a principle that if we do that, we sow those things into them that they're going to have a chance to have that relationship with God. It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee, but it's a principle that we live our lives by. Does that make sense? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these principles uh, throughout the book of Proverbs. So we're in Proverbs uh, 21. And we're going to look at 1, 5, and 11. If you got your Bibles, go with me. Proverbs 21. We're going to look at 1, 5, and 11. Here's what it says. It says, The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it where he pleases. Verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Then verse 11. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will become wise. But if you instruct the wise, they will become all the wiser. My sermon title this morning is Wisdom Builds the House. Let's pray and we're going to jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. 
God, we thank you that it's inspired and gifted directly from you. God, we thank you that if we build our lives on the principles in your word, the things that you teach us, God, that we'll be built up, as the word says, into strong and mighty towers. And so, God, I pray that this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. God, we glorify you. You're the creator of heaven and earth. You're the ruler of all things. We give you all the honor, all the glory forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, Amen. Uh, so if you're new to our church, you may not know this. I'm from God's country, uh, Augusta, Georgia. Any, any Georgians in here? Any Georgians? Oh, oh, okay. You faked me out. I see you. I see you. Uh, now, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I'm uh, very blessed to be a Georgia Bulldogs fan. Any Bulldogs fans in here? Not one? Roof. Uh, we won the national title this past year. Not a big deal. First time in 41 years. Um, I'm from Augusta. I lived there till I was 17. Um, I, I uh, developed, how you say, a drug problem in my teens. Anybody else been there? Some of you guys know. Yep. Got an amen from some of the people in our rehab, inpatient. Um, but I went through that. That's actually one of the reasons why we have the in-house rehab here is I went to Blake and just said, hey, why not do it in the local church? Uh, this is where I got clean. Um, you know, I, have y'all seen the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? That's my life story. Uh, I got in a little trouble. My mom got scared. She sent me to live with my auntie and uncle in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, uh, that, that was my rehab. Um, I, I got involved in a local church, and people came around me. They taught me the word. They walked with me. Uh, they guided me. And so we have something similar here. It's called uh, M18 Recovery. Come on, give your hands to the guys who are going through that. Um, and so... I, I was a couple years deep. I had graduated high school, and uh, I decided I, it was time for me to get something. I, I was 18, 19 years old. Anybody know what you get when you're 18 or 19 years old? Come on, yell it out if you know it. Come on. Tattoo. There it is. Who got tattoos when they turned 18? All right. There we are. Um, and so... Since I was going through rehabilitation, uh, I, I didn't have access to my funds, and so I had an, an administrator of my luxurious estate. Uh, that, that was my Aunt Leslie. Does anybody have anybody where they look at you and they just like see right to your core? Y'all know those people? That's my Aunt Leslie, okay? My Aunt Leslie can see directly through me, and so I came up to her and I said, you know, Aunt Leslie, um, I need $170. And she said, for what? I said, I'm 18 years old. I'm a grown man. I want my $170, and you don't need to know why. <laughs> I was bold. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, and so we had a little back and forth, but eventually she gave me the money, and off we shot to Evolve Tattoo Parlor in downtown Columbus, Ohio. And uh, me and my, my two buddies, uh, we had packed into you know, his car, and we, we walk in, and immediately I see the most terrifying person I've ever seen in my entire life, okay? So I walk in, and behind the desk of the tattoo parlor is a guy who is tattooed from head to toe. When I say from head to toe, like there is not an iota of skin on this guy that's not tattooed. And that actually wasn't what scared me or bothered me, all right? That, that inspired some confidence, all right? He had experience. What scared me was that he had surgically implanted some devil horns under his skin, okay? 
And so I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, if he gives me a tattoo, am I going to have an unforgivable curse on me forever, <laughs> right? And so I was raised Presbyterian, but in that moment, I was full-on Pentecostal. And so I was shabba, shabba, you know, like, <laughs> want to buy a kid, should have bought a Honda. Yeah, I'm like just going through that whole <laughs> prayers and just crying out to God. I'm sweating. I can, I can remember how it feels. Like I'm not wanting to show this guy I'm scared because I'm trying to be 18 and tough. Don't want my buddies to see it. And then this other guy walks in who doesn't have a tattoo on him. He's like, Mr. Duke. And I'm like, oh, thank God. But in retrospect, <clears throat> I, I wish I'd gotten the demon tattoo guy. <laughs> Because, Michael, when you get a tattoo, how, how much should it scab just for? I, I had about a half inch of scab. This guy was drilling down all the way through my ribs. I'm, I'm drenched in sweat. He gave me two lines that were about six inches long. It was $170, which I realized later I think I massively overpaid. And, and not only that, like it's scarred up. It looks terrible, okay? And so I get back home, and it's summertime. Like I'm going to have to fess up, right? I'm going to have to tell my Aunt Leslie. So come downstairs. I'm like, hey, that $170, I got a tattoo. And she says, I know. She said, your friends told their parents, <laughs> and they called me and told me what you guys were going to go do, and here's what she said. She said, I was just giving you the opportunity to tell the truth. You know, here's how they operated. Once we were 18, we were adults. We could do the things that we wanted to do, but what she was trying to teach me is that she could be a guide for me. She could be somebody who could give wisdom. She could be somebody who could walk through it. She wasn't trying to control me. She was trying to give me a covering. We're going to dig into that here in a little bit. But, y'all, our goal as Christians is to have soft, pliable hearts that are easily guided by God, where God can speak and will move, where people who are put in our lives to bring us wisdom can easily speak into our lives. I wonder, I know most of you guys, you're the most holy people on earth, and you've never done the things that I've done, but I wonder if there's any areas of your life where you're just stiff, you're not pliable. We're, we're going to look at this this morning. But before we do that, let, let's talk about the book of Proverbs a little bit. Okay, the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. When we think about wisdom, we often think about knowledge, right? But if you look at the Hebrew word for wisdom, it actually means more like skillful knowledge or applied knowledge. Here's the truth. Knowledge that is not implied will not help you, right? Knowledge that is not applied will not help help you. And the purpose of this book is to give you a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. In order to do this, we have to have what the book of Proverbs calls fear of the Lord. Everybody say fear of the Lord. Now, this is not terror. God's not like, I want you to be terrified of me. Be terrified of me, and then you'll have a great life. It's a healthy sense of awe and reverence for God who is for who God is and who we are in relation to him. I'm going to say that again. It's having an awe and reverence for who God is and for who we are in relationship to him. It's a moral mindset that recognizes that I am not God and I do not get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even if that is inconvenient for me in the moment. You know, in between services, we have a resident uh, doctor of theology uh, named Austin McCaskill. He's not here. He hates when I call him out in service. So I'll do it in second service when he's not here. But he said, Bronson, he said, you know, he said, if you read one chapter of Proverbs a day, 
He said, you might not get something out of every one of them, but he said, I promise you there's one verse in there that's going to help you. I want to give this to you before we, before we get too far into it. I want to give you a challenge this summer. Read one chapter of Proverbs every day and see if you don't find one thing that helps you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three Proverbs from this section. And the way Proverbs is as a book, if, if you go in to read it, it's not laid out like a narrative structure, okay? So you're not reading like a story. The ideas aren't necessarily building on, on themselves. It's giving you uh, phrases or it's giving you principles and different things like that. And so it's just like a book of, of different phrases of wisdom, okay? And so we're going to look at three of those phrases of wisdom uh, in chapter 21. So there's going to be three questions. And I'm going to give so many lists in this sermon. So my list people, you're going to love it. Okay? My note takers, you're going to love it. Uh, first question is, what's the guiding light of my life? Second question, what's my plan? And the third question is, how do I learn? Do I learn through pain or do I learn through instruction? Okay, let's look at the first question. What's the guiding light of your life? That's a question. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Now, he, here's what we know. We're all directed by something, right? We're all motivated. We're all directed by something. It's often our wants and desires, right? Our wants for money, our desires for security, for power, for status, for sex, for intimacy, for relationships. You'll listen, none of these things on their own are a bad thing. But when these things, any one of these things become the principal guide of your life, it doesn't bring life, it brings about destruction. Y'all, we are to be a stream of water directed not by our desires, right? We just sang that a minute ago. I'm not led by my feelings. We're to be led and directed by the truths of God. But in order to be directed by God, we have to hear from him. Question, how do you hear from God? I think that's a really important question. If we're going to be Jesus followers and we're going to live in his example, we have to do what he did, which he listened to every word that came from the mouth of God. Christ is and was the ultimate example of a pliable heart. His heart and mind were saturated with the scripture and with the will of God. John 5, 19, he said, this is wild. Just think about this. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing, right? So how can we be like Christ in this? We're going to look at three things, three ways that I've found. Number one, if you're taking notes, is the word, all right? Well, the way you preach this is you say, you can't say God's silent when your Bible's closed. Can I get an amen, right? Number two, wise counsel. So the word, wise counsel. And number three, the whisper of God. The, the word is the most trustworthy. And we have to pour the other two through it. Uh, through consistent reading and memorization, we will hear the voice of God and we'll learn the will of God. Uh, back when people used to use uh, paper Bibles, y'all remember that? Back in ancient times when people had paper bibles. Hey, there's one. Uh, in the back, you could go back and you look, could look up a list of topics, right? Like if you're going through pain and suffering, what does the Bible say about suffering, right? And it would show you a list of verses or whatever. Now we have Google. It's actually so much better, y'all. Uh, writing sermons, doing things like that. The guys who did it before the internet, my hat is off to you. There's so much information available to us. But here's my question. When you're trying to determine what to do in your life, do you ask the question, what does God's word say about this? Okay, that's number one, the word. Number two, 
wise counsel. These are godly men and women that we put in our life who help lead us and who help guide us. Here's a question. Whenever you make a big decision, big financial decision, big relational decision, who helps you make those decisions? Do you make this, those decisions alone? You know, the wisdom of the world says be a strong individual. If you can be a strong individual, then you'll be successful, right? But the wisdom of the scripture says that those who are surrounded by wise counselors and those who are under authority, those are the ones who are strong. It actually says those who don't listen to others are fools. But those who crave the advice of others are wise. So question. Who do you have around you? My pastor has always taught me, he says, Bronson, you are the sum total of your five closest friends. Here's what I want you to do. Just everybody take a moment. Who are your five closest friends? Maybe get into your notes and your phone. Start writing some of these things down. I really want you to consider it. Who are your five closest friends? Who are your five advisors, the people that walk through life with you? And let me ask you a follow-up question. If you became like those five people, do you think you'd be who God has called you to be? You know, that is a great way. That is how I assess friendships. People who make me more like God, people who sharpen me. So number one, we have the word. Number two, we have wise counsel. I'm gonna talk about that more here in a second. But number three, we have the whisper of God. Everybody say whisper. This is the whisper. This is the number one place where I see young Christians get off. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, God told me, right? They're coming for advice. They're coming to let you know something, but they open with, God told me I met this girl and that's gonna be my wife, right? Or God told me I need to go buy that house or whatever. Let me tell you something. When you do that, you are closing yourself off to get wisdom, right? Because what am I gonna do? Say, well, God didn't tell you that. My voice is more important than the voice of God, right? That's the trump card. When you say God told me, you have played the trump card. But for a lot of young Christians, y'all listen, I'm not trying to discourage you from listening to the voice of God. This is so important for us to have a quiet place, for us to ask God what he thinks. But here's what I want to encourage you with. When you hear God's voice, test it and discern it, right? The Bible says that when Paul spoke, that one of the churches in particular went to the scripture and dug through the scripture and made sure that it lined up with what the scripture said. And he commended them for doing that. Y'all, we have to be people. If they did that with the teachings of Paul, how much more should we do that with the feelings and the impressions that we get in our spirit? Amen? So number one, the strongest way to hear God's voice is through the word. Number two, the second place that I would say to go is wise counsel. Number three, the whisper of God. So question how do you make decisions? Let's go back to our original proverb. The, the heart of the king is easily guided by God like a stream of water. How do you make decisions as you're going through life? That's what it's talking about, helping guide somebody in the decisions of their life. Do you have a covering? Do you have a cabinet? All right? The highest office in our land has what? A cabinet, right? If we're going to look at that biblically, he has a multitude of what? Come on, y'all with me? He has a multitude of counselors, right? If the highest office in our land needs advice, right? Pretty smart, right? Hopefully, that's why they're there. How much more so do I need some counsel, right? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a practical guide to build a cabinet, okay? Practical guide to build a cabinet. Um, 
For me, I have three main types of people in my cabinet. I have more than three, but I have three main types. Number one, I have a spiritual advisor, okay? This is like my spiritual Yoda, okay? This is the person who, like, you know, deeply knows the word, is so connected to the spirit, they can sense things, and, and I take things to them like, hey, I'm feeling this, or maybe even, like, with direction things of the church, hey, I'm sensing this. What do you think? I, 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 I run it by them. Okay, secondly, I have a financial advisor, all right? I got a financial Yoda, right? This is somebody who helps us make decisions. Like before Callie and I bought a house, we brought all of our finances, we submitted it to this person and said, hey, are we in a position to do this? Y'all, I am fiercely independent. Where are my fiercely independent people at? You're not gonna raise your hand. Some of y'all did, but <laughs> fiercely independent. It was so difficult for me to submit this decision. But why did I do it? He's a lot better with money than I am. Listen, I'm a pastor, I'm okay with the Bible and theology, but the money side of thing, that, that, that's not what I studied. That's not what I went to school for. So I found somebody for that. Do you have a financial advisor? Okay, third thing is relational counsel, right? A relational Yoda. So we have a spiritual, we have a financial, and then we have a relational. This is somebody who helps me with my marriage. It's, specifically is my pastor, Pastor Harry. I go to him. I go to a few other guys. Austin speaks into my life. Got a couple guys here in the church. Um, but when Callie and I are going through issues, uh, or I'm having issues with the kids or whatever, these are people who advise me. So how do we build a cabinet, right? Here's what I want to say. It's on you to find advisors. It is on you to find counselors. Y'all, one of the biggest mistakes we can make in the church is sit around and wait for somebody else to help us, right? How, how do you catch somebody who's busy? How do you find somebody who's successful and glean wisdom from them? You can't sit around and wait for them to find you. You've got to go find them. Here's how you don't do it, okay? Are you ready? Everybody with me? Y'all with me? Here's how you don't do it. Don't go to a really successful person and say, hey, I want you to mentor me out of the blue. Don't do it. Why? You're asking for a big commitment, <laughs> And they don't know if you're teachable. They don't know if you're humble. They don't know enough about you yet. So he, here's my playbook, all right? We're finally getting to it for, for how to build a cabinet, how to find advisors. Number one, pursue wise people. Get a coffee with them. Say, hey, I want to take you to coffee. There's no way they're going to let you pay for it, but you can try, right? Ask for advice, take the advice, and then apply the advice, okay? Ask for advice, take the advice, Apply the advice, and this one is crucial, guys. If you want to find a good mentor and counselor, report back to them how it's going for you. I had a guy I met with four years ago, and we sat down and we talked about his finances. He came back to me a year later and said, hey, I did X, Y, and Z. What's my next step? You know what? I started meeting with that guy every week. I started pastoring that guy, going through stuff with that guy. Why? He was teachable. It was a good use of my time. Report back to them and then repeat the process, y'all. If you want to find somebody wise, pursue them, take their advice and apply it, and report back to them. Y'all, we need to be people who are saturated in the word, guided by the wisdom of other Christians, and desperate to hear the whisper of God. Okay, that's number one. Number one is what is your guiding light? What guides you in your life? Is it the word? Do you have wise counselors? Are you listening to God? Number two, what is your plan. What's your plan, right? Proverbs 21.5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Y'all, everyone has goals, right? We all have goals, whether we realize it or not. 
Every NFL team has the same goal. What is it? Win a championship. What separates all those teams from Tom Brady? <laughs> Tom Brady has a plan, right? He has things he does daily. He has things he does minute to minute, all right? The guy is a freak, right? But he has daily plans, he has weekly plans, he has monthly plans, he has quarterly plans, he has annual plans, and he does those things. Here's one of the things that kills us as Christians. We think there's shortcuts to spiritual growth. We think there's shortcuts to financial health. We think there's shortcuts to having strong marriages, strong families. It takes hard work. But if we put in the hard work, we will absolutely grow. Let's look at Jesus, right? Jesus had a plan. He had steps. He knew his plan. If you go through and you read the Gospels, Jesus knew his temple had to be torn down and it was going to be raised up in three days, right? God had revealed the plan to him, but he had to work the steps. He had to work the process. Yo, this is one of the temptations in the desert. If you go and you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 10, they're going to throw it up on the screens. Basically, what's happening here is the devil is trying to get Jesus to shortcut his glory. What he's trying to say is, if you come and worship me, you do things my way, you don't submit to God's long, painful path, that's going to take hard work and discipline. But if you submit to me now, I will give you all the glory you're looking for, y'all. The schemes of the devil have not changed. What area might God be trying to get you, or the, the enemy be trying to get you to shortcut God's plan? In your career, in your family, in your finances? Okay, we're, we're going to look at a few things here. I, I found there's six key areas to health. We're going to look at three. Uh, if you want the other three, you're going to have to keep coming back, okay? And you don't know when I'm going to speak, so you just have to come back every week, and we'll, we'll see when those other three come around. But we all want to shortcut health in three, three areas. I've found specifically spiritual health, financial health, and family health. Um, let's look at them. Spiritual. Uh, how do we develop spiritual health? I have found it's through consistent practices and disciplines. Daily practices, weekly practices, monthly practices, quarterly practices, and annual practices. I taught about this a ton in our Essential series. You can go back and you listen to it in the podcast for more on this. Um, but basically, the way I heard it described by a guy, and it's the best I've ever heard, is how do we get the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our life? We have to create a framework for it to grow on, Right? If we don't want to sow in the flesh, we want to sow in the spirit, we have to have practices that we do consistently for that fruit to grow on. So daily, prayer and declarations, those are the things that I do. If you want any of these things, uh, email or I guess fill out the connect card. We've got all these resources. We can send them to you. Uh, weekly, through Sabbath, that's rest, and through worship, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, monthly, I try to do a day with no devices just to detox, Right? Quarterly, I try to do assessments and say, hey, am I headed where I want to head? Like in my spiritual life specifically, I do this in other areas, but specifically, am I growing the way that I want to grow? And then annually, Callie and I do a sit down and we just say, hey, where are we at? How are we doing? Are we becoming who we want to become? Okay, so that's spiritual. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, financial. Y'all, this is an important one right now. If, if you're watching the news, you're watching the markets, y'all, I think there is no better time than right now to get wise with your finances. And so what I'm going to try to do is give you some wisdom that I've gotten, some things that have worked for me. I'm going to give you a starting point and then a goal, and I'm going to give you some things in between, okay? Um, 
if we want to be healthy financially, we have to have a what? A plan. We have to have a budget, right? Who loves budgets? Where am I like, I live and die by budgets. Who are the people who are like, that's more of an oppression for me, right? You know, but if we don't tell our money where to go, it's going to find its own way, right? And, and, and like right now, like the, Callie and I are battling through this. We're trying to figure out like how much do diapers really cost, you know? Like we're trying to figure these things out. But I, I'm going to give you like a general guide here. And then we're going to look at how to apply it. So uh, I'm going to give you percentages. We're going to take and break down the 100, 100% of what we make. So 10%, everybody say 10%. 10% for us, we believe biblically, is the tithe. That goes to God. That's God's. Second is the 20%. That's what we save and invest. This is a good goal. So number one, it's 10%. The tithe, that goes to God. Number two, 20%. That, so that's 30% total. We save and invest that 20%. This is for your future, or this could be debt payoff, okay? Uh, 30%. So 10%, 20%, that's how much? How much 10, 10 plus 20? 30. Okay, the next 30%. That's spending on wants. Okay, this is for your right now. This is for your present. This is your play money, your spending money, uh, things like that. So how much is that total? Where are my mathematicians at? 60%. Okay, that leaves 40% for bills and needs. This is for your necessities, okay? This is a good part. Like if you're trying to build a budget, you're trying to dig yourself out, this is a good starting place. But listen, these percentages mean absolutely nothing if you don't know where your money's going. You can say, sure, I'm going to save and invest 20%, but what is that 20%? And so here's my challenge. If you're struggling in your finances right now, there's an app called Mint, and it's awesome. Even if you're not struggling, but you just want another tool. It's called Mint. You can link your bank accounts. You can link your credit cards. You can link your investment account, your 401k, your bills, your Netflix, everything to this. It'll tell you when your bills are coming out. And you can set up uh, a spending plan, a savings plan, all that kind of stuff. And I want to encourage you, go in there and look at that. Look at where your percentages are and then create a, create a goal and a plan to get there, okay? You all with me on that? 10%, that's the tithe, that's God. 20%, that's savings, debt payoff, investment, things like that. Uh, and I, I include uh, employer match. So if, you're, if your employer does a retirement match, take it. It's free money, right? Can I get an amen from everybody in the room? Uh, I got a big amen from Brian. Uh, okay, and then uh, 30%, that's you know, spending, things like that. 40%, that's overhead. Okay, next, this is a goal, Right? We're going to turn this upside down. What if you could take 40% of your income and you could save and invest? 30% that goes to your overhead and your, your needs. 20% that goes to your spending. And then 10% or more. Maybe you cut into that 40%. Maybe it's 15% that's God. 10% that's the tithe, that's God's. Maybe 5% of your income. You could give. Why are we looking at this? My goal in this is not like, man, if I can just get these these godless Israelites to start tithing more, you know, everything would be better. That's not my goal. If you do not have financial freedom, it creates strain in every other area of your life. Y'all, my heart for you as your pastor is not to get your money. We're not after that. We're after building a church, a home that's healthy. And what that means is that each individual in it is healthy and is finding freedom. And so, y'all, if you want more of this uh, and, and you want more info, you can write it down on the connect card. I have four different people who are in finance, who've offered free help and advice in these areas. And so if you need help in that, uh, we've got people who want to walk with you and want to help you. Okay, spiritual, that's practices. Uh, 
Second, that's financial. That's our budget. Number three, our family. Um, we need a plan for loving our spouses. Who, who in here just has the easiest marriage in the world, right? You never had a fight. Some of you guys are looking at each other, newlyweds, uh, sparkly-eyed. Uh, it, it doesn't last. Uh, without a plan. Listen, marriage is amazing unless you don't have a plan. Uh, marriage is a blast. Callie is my best friend, but we have to work at it. We had some tough years. We had some years where we loved each other, but we did not like each other, right? We had to put work in. We had to get counselors. Y'all, listen, it's okay. We've all been there. Marriage is hard work, but you need a plan. Date nights, y'all. If you, if you don't have a date night right now for Callie, we have three kids. Finding babysitters for two twins is difficult, okay? Uh, date nights look a little bit different. Sometimes it looks like we get all the kids down a little early and we have some popcorn and like watch a movie or whatever. You know, we just got to do a vacation. That was amazing. This past six months, we did like three or four dates. Normally, pre three kids, we did it weekly. Listen, if you're in that phase, take advantage of it. Date each other weekly. Once you get into different phases, you got to look at it. You got to look for what uh, works in your marriage. But listen, husbands, pursue your spouse like you did when you were dating. Go after her. Learn her. She's going to change. There's all different, all different things. Go after her. She's your girl, right? Uh, next, you know, we, we've got to have a plan for learning our kids. Has anybody ever had a kid wake up in the morning and you're like, whose kid is this? Like, you, you start thinking, like, we're going to have to have an exorcism. Like, there, there's a demon inside of this child, right? Like, what is going on? You know, one of our things as parents is we've got to learn our kids' phases. So something that I've learned is a lot of times George's behavioral issues are actually tied to uh, uh, leaps, emotional leaps that she's taking. Like, the world is opening up to her. She's needing more choices or whatever. So, like, in the morning, it's like, do you want to wear this dress or this dress, right? That small choice was a game changer for her. And so one of the things that we have to do is study and learn our kids. Uh, we've got a book that's coming. I didn't prep you guys for this, but it's called Intentional Fatherhood. Uh, we've got a in. And I, I, we did a deal with a publisher where they gave us, I think it was like 60% off. They're normally $16. They're $10. Dads, listen, Maurice is going to talk about this more in a little bit. Get this book. It's 10 bucks. If you can't afford it, we will gift it to you. But we're going to have it available next weekend. This is a great field guide for raising sons. Okay, this is specifically for sons. There's one coming out for daughters. We're going to do the same thing when that comes out. But listen, even if you're just mentoring young men, I'm telling you, the stats, all that kind of stuff that's in this book is amazing. It gives you a guide for at 18 how to release your son out of the house and bless him as a man. Y'all, that's a good goal, isn't it? Let's go, uh, we open with Psalm 127. It said, wisdom builds the house, right? Keeping on in Psalm 127, verse three, it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, children are, born in one, are, are children born in one's youth. Blesses the man whose quiver is full of them. Y'all, we pray God blesses you with many children. Listen, here's what I know. Some of you guys are battling infertility. We are praying for you. Don't battle that alone. Uh, Jessica, she talked about it on Mother's Day. Their, their battle with that, y'all, we are praying that God blesses you. Amen? Last thing, we're going to land the plane here, and Ricardo, Rico, wherever you're at, you can come make it spiritual. It's when the Holy Spirit's going to enter the room when those keys start. 
There he is. You didn't do anything wrong. I just been messing with you this weekend. Uh, so number one, what's the guiding light of your life? How do you make decisions? What motivates you? Number two, what's your plan for key areas of your life? Do you have one? If you don't have one, y'all listen. This is an elephant we're trying to bite off right now. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Hey, listen, there may be 10 things in there. You're like, I am a failure as a human. You know, I, f- I felt like that at different times in my life. Pick one area. Start working at one area per quarter. I'm telling you, you can, you, you can bite this thing off. Last thing, how do you learn? <laughs> through pain or through instruction? You already know how you learn. I'm going to have to dig, dig through this. Some of you guys are like, pain, pain, pain camp, you know? I'm the pain guy. That's how I learn. Uh, Proverbs 21.11. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded become wise. But if you instruct the wise, they become all the wiser. What is this saying? A fool needs pain to learn. A wise person needs instruction. Y'all listen, I have lived 90% of my life as fool type, right? Pain type, right? The guy who just like, I'll tell you a story. When Callie and I got back from the mission field, we needed a car, we'd sold all our stuff and um, we wanted a Subaru Outback dependable vehicle, right? And so I didn't, we didn't have a job lined up. We didn't know what we were gonna do. And so we found a Subaru Outback. We wanted a black one with beige interior. We were specific on the prayer board. Yes, Lord, right? And we found one in Memphis that was $26,000. Drove up there. We, we had basically spent through our life savings. I think we had like maybe 1,000 or 1,500 bucks in the bank. No jobs lined up. We had good credit. <laughs> and so they sold us the car. And I got back and called my financial advisor after I bought it. Because again, I've had this principle for a long time. I didn't always follow it. It was my cousin. And I said, hey, you know, John, I, I, I bought a car. He goes, oh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't call me. I was like, yeah, you know, it was a good deal. And he said, how much was it? It's $26,000. He goes, you spent $26,000 with no job, with no, he goes, what are you doing, man? He goes, I'm so sick of helping you with this stuff. He said, when are you going to start learning from other people instead of having to make every mistake yourself? And he hung up the phone. And I sat there and thought about it. I said, you know what? That stings, <laughs> but he's right. A couple years later, he, he told me, he said, I've actually felt guilt over that for years. And I said, don't you dare. <laughs> I said, that is one of the single best things anybody ever said to me. Y'all listen, if you're in that camp where you just have to learn everything the hard way, you can change. You can turn, you can start looking for wisdom. I wanna encourage you again. Reading a proverb a day, reading your Bible, going to other people for advice, y'all, submitting your decision making to other people is a game changer. But listen, no one will help you long term if you don't take their advice. If you don't listen, you don't report back, you don't put those things in practice, successful people do not need to chase you down, right? I need them. That's the thing that I've committed to in my life. I need what they have. They don't need what I have. So I am chasing them down. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yo, let's be a wise people. Let's be a people who are like Jesus. Let's be, let's be a people who are found in the house. Let's be a people who are full of the word. Let's be a people who crave wisdom, who crave instruction, who crave God's ways. Because if we do that, 
our lives will be better, our homes will be healthier, and our city will be thankful that we're here. Yo, if we do this, we raise up kids like this and we release them into the world, the world will thank us for it. We'll be a blessing, just like we talked about three weeks ago. Yo, if we do this, we're gonna have extra finances to be generous to people who are hurting. Yo, it, it is on the backs of generous people that we have a church, that we have a rehab, that we've been able to do these things. Yo, what if you could be that person? Wouldn't that be amazing? And above all, God will be honored. God is honored by a life well lived. He does not require perfection for a relationship with you, but he is honored when you seek and submit to his ways as father. Amen. You know, Georgia in our house, uh, she learns to, she learns and she submits to our ways as parents, right? And when she does that, it's best for her, right? It's the exact same way in our relationship with God. He doesn't want to control us. He wants to cover us and help us find life and peace and freedom forever. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in the life of our community. And God, I pray that you would build us up as a strong house. God, we believe that wisdom builds the house. Say it with me. Wisdom builds the house. God, let wisdom build my house. God, let wisdom build our house. God, I pray that you would reveal to us the areas where we've been off. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connected in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.